0: Welcome back. I'm John Eldridge. We have been doing a series on the masculine journey that cover the stages that every man must go through in the story of his life. With me is Craig McConnell, Morgan Snyder, Bart Hansen, helping to unpack and to share our personal stories about what this looks like in a man's journey. My son, Luke, has uh, recently taken up the unicycle. <laughs> like one tire, no handlebars, you know, circus, the unicycle. And he announces a couple of months ago that he's going to buy a unicycle and uh, that he's saved up for it. He's going to, you know, take it out of his own savings and he's going to buy this unicycle. And I'm thinking, waste of money. This is going to be another one of those, you know, two-week hobbies. He's going to get this thing. It's going to be frustrating, you know. And it's going to wind up with a lot of other gear that is piled somewhere in the garage. Well, uh, far from it. He has not only mastered the unicycle now, but, I mean, within like a week, he's using it like a mountain bike. Are you kidding? No, he's going down <laughs> trails, dirt trails and ridges. And he's riding it through the mountains, you know. And, and he explains to me that actually what he bought was a Muni. It's a mountain bike. Biking, unicycle, no handlebars, no brakes, one tire, you know, a seat. That's it. That is classic boyhood. Mm. That is classic boyhood stuff. Um, and then his brother, Blaine, came home this weekend. He'd been snowboarding and uh, asking him how it went. Blaine says, oh, dad, it was awesome. You know, they went up in the mountains. I think they went to Vale, And he said, we got off the slopes into the trees. And I was racing my buddy through the trees. And I'm thinking, you told your mom you wouldn't do this. Uh They're crashing through the trees on their snowboards down this slope. And he says, you came out at the end, Dad. And you busted through these sort of snow-covered trees to realize that there was like a 10-foot drop. And we sail off this. And he says, it was epic. And I'm cracking up because I know that longing, that desire for adventure. If you've joined us for the first time this week on our podcast, what we're doing is going through the stages of the masculine journey. And last time, we talked about the stage of the beloved son, which is about birth to age 12 in a boy's life and the desires and the needs and the wounds that 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 stage uh, comprises. This time, we're going to talk about the stage of the cowboy. And I drew the idea from the life of King David, where he was a Shepherd. But I think that uh Shepherd sounds kind of wimpy these days. You know, we think of the little figurines on the table at Christmas time. You're thinking the kid with the towel on his head and the with Christmas a robe on. pageant. Yeah. I mean Shepherd was a really rugged life. I mean, nights alone, out in the wild, mm-hmm. you know, and lessons to be learned uh, that only hard work can teach you. The stage of the cowboy goes from about I'd say about the age of 13 to around the age of 20. But you'll notice there's something that shifts in the boy's desires and his demeanor. There is a longing for adventure that really begins to show up. You see it in little boys, of course, but you see it in teenage boys. And this is what you know the, the fast cars and the motorcycles and the loud music and all of that is about, um, this desire – in the cowboy stage for adventure. Do you guys remember that? Oh,
1: yes. Oh, I remember eighth grade just aching to get out. And uh, Boy Scouts was my out, you know, my Mm -hmm. first 50-mile high Sierra backpack. Mm -hmm. And from that summer on, it was forget the Boy Scouts. It's me and a couple of buddies going up uh, and just backpacking. Longest trip was – I think it was 21 days. I was 17, 16, one meal a day. Holy cow. And right. we, three of us, we just went into the mountains and uh, just lived off fishing, the land, whatever we could scrounge. Now, you were a
0: suburbs kid. So this isn't uh, – you're not like a mountain kid here.
1: Well, I, I, as a little boy, we were up at the mountains at our cabin. So I loved the mountains. And the backpacking was – I mean, it was functional. I got out of my home, away from my folks. And, and,
0: and into adventure. Oh,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, I think it was eighth grade, started hitchhiking. And I'd just get on the uh, freeway, the intersection, and just go wherever oh, I could god. go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a guy was going to Kansas City. Oh, my god, and, uh, That's great. Oh, hey, and I'd end up in Kansas City, you know, <laughs> two days later. And oh, my turn around, hitchhike back. And just the adventure on the road.
2: Wow. Craig, what were you thinking when you made the decision, I'm going out to the road to hitchhike?
1: Oh, it was adventure. I want to see the world. I want yeah. to go places. I, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was little white middle-class suburbia yeah, los wow. angeles wow. oh first
0: car i remember my first car yeah. it's suddenly the horizon opens up right it's a 68 volkswagen squareback and the first thing i did was we left southern california and went to montana me and a buddy of mine and my dog yeah. you know going on an adventure right gonna see the world
3: That's yeah. right yeah you know, speed comes to mind, and uh, I mean, thats I think that's something that catches the imagination of any boy. And I remember when um, we were raised in West Texas, and occasionally it would snow. And I remember we had a big snowstorm, and so we went and, and got a bunch of lumber and some 2x12s made runners and made this big, long sled, and we tied it behind the car. You know, today you'd, <laughs> you'd, never, you'd never do that, you know. But uh, we pull that thing around the— neighborhood trying to you know we'd turn the corner you try to hit the curb knock the guys off the sled you know they go rolling up in the yards and so forth but when the real adventure came was we came upon that thing one summer and uh, we didn't have anything to do and we says why don't we pull this thing on the dirt roads so we go out (laughs) on the dirt roads we went to the to the uh, army navy store and we got an old gas mask and you put the gas mask on put an army coat on and we tied this thing right up behind the bumper with about a five-foot rope and to see how fast we could get going on dirt oh, roads with this thing. Oh, my gosh. And, I mean, we were at, at highways. I don't want to say how fast we were going, but Parts. it was. Parts. But that thing would come up off the ground. I mean. Okay. Pause. <laughs> M-
0: mothers, women who are listening to this, it's a really important yeah. series that is going to give you a clue into the masculine soul. You have to let your son's adventure this is so mm. core to the heart of a boy and a boy becoming a young man in, the, in these ages from about tw- you know, 12, 13 to 20. Yeah. I mean, adventure and, and that kind of thing goes through the roof, yeah. right?
2: Oh John, I think of my mom. She's so safety conscious. But when I was a kid, my dad bought this boat and we grew up in Pittsburgh, went to rural New York sometimes on the weekends. And I was eight and we got this boat and my dad said, you're the captain. And he let me take the wheel. And he was right there, really close by. But from the day we had this boat, I was running it. And I remember that feeling of waiting for the boat to plane and catching speed and pushing down the throttle. And I was so into it, I wanted to take a course on navigating. And my mom is the one that recognized something. And so she went with me to this course. It was all mostly adults. I was the youngest one. But I learned this thing. And I remember my dad, we he would do this thing, we called it catching the anchor, and he would try to catch the anchor to get us somewhere safe. He never let off enough line, and it was always back of the boat. And I learned that you throw the anchor off the bow, you give, you know, more line. And so I remember the day where I captained the boat and, and threw the anchor and showed my dad how to do it. And... And it was amazing. And just think of just as a boy, that heart for adventure and to, and to take the wheel yeah. or something. The seven seas. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's huge.
0: Because here's the deal. In the stage of the beloved son, the question is, am I loved? Am I the apple of my father's mm-hmm. eye? Does he prize me? Am I delighted in? You know, that? Um, does my father adore me? That's what needs to be deeply addressed in the stage of the beloved son in the stage of the cowboy it's different stage of the cowboy the question is do i have what it Mm -hmm. takes and it is the core question of the masculine journey and most of what men are doing every day is looking for some kind of validation. I mean, it, it's deep in the fiber of a man's being, mm-hmm. this this yearning for validation. And part of it comes through adventure, right? I mean, doing a 50-mile backpacking trip, yeah. holy cow. Yeah. You know, a boy learns something about himself, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He learns, yeah. hey, you know, he's got what it takes to do that. And so part of the adventure is thrill, it's fun, it's adrenaline, it's all of that, uh, which I think God gave to man. But part of it is searching for the answer to this question, mm-hmm. right? right? That the adventuring tests you, you know, and can you do it, right? Yes. so true. The answer to the question in the cowboy stage comes partly through adventure and partly through hard work. This is where a boy really does need to be shaped and honed. And I'm thinking of the story of David When he went to fight Goliath, you probably recall the story. He actually was sent by his father to simply check on his brothers, right? Israel's at war against the Philistines. David shows up and everybody's scared to death because there's this mercenary, this giant of a man who's taunting the army saying, hey, just send one guy out, you know, and we'll do this thing, mano a mano, you know. David says, I'll go. And everyone tries to talk him out of it. And, so, you know, Saul, the king, says, look, son, we really, really appreciate your enthusiasm. David's probably a teenager, probably about 16, 17, maybe. And uh, he says, look, this guy's a trained killer. You know, appreciate your courage, young man, but don't do it. And David says, no, I have been a shepherd in the field watching my father's flock. And when a lion or a bear came and attacked the flock, mm. I attacked the lion and the bear and I rescued the sheep from their mouth. The God who helped me then will help me now. And you go, holy cow. I mean, Mm -hmm. David knew something Mm -hmm. about himself and about God that he had learned in this stage. He knows that he has what it takes. Mm -hmm. And he learned that through testing, through hard work, Mm -hmm. through challenges, trials, right? The lion and the bear. Whoa.
3: You know, Mm -hmm. you guys
0: remember that? Was that a part of your... A part of your
3: teenage years, I think. For me, um, I made my life work through hard work. Uh, I felt I could win my dad's affirmation. Uh, so part of it was brokenness, but part of it was just the masculine heart. Mm-hmm. And and so I would go out and try to find the hardest job I could find. You know, I lied about my age to get on a demolition crew when I was 15 years old, and I got hurt a couple of times that that summer. But, you know, I pushed through a whole lot of things and, I mean, it taught me so much and it built my confidence that I just, I kept on with that. And so, I mean, hard work has been um, something during that stage of my life that was just part of my life. You know, I look back on that with fondness because it did teach me a lot and it did answer a lot of my question and I did get a lot of confidence from Mm. that. But I had to find it pretty much on my own. And then I look back on it now, and I see that there was a broken side of that that was driving me in this direction. But, yeah, it was – hard work was a big part of my life.
1: Mm. Craig, what about you? Yeah, I spent a lot of time with my great-grandparents and my grandparents growing up. And I didn't naturally gravitate to hard work, but their work ethic was phenomenal, and it was always chores. You know, I talk about being up at our cabin – And running around and having fun. Well, that was after, you know, three, four hours of raking pine needles, you know. (laughs) And there were, it was just this work ethic that play came after work and you Mm -hmm. worked hard before you played. And, uh, but I wasn't like you, Bart, running out looking for hard work, but I had to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My dad was good with tools. He was raised, you see, as a farm kid, right? And then he moved to the city, and he married a city gal. And but he would work; he had a little workshop off the garage, and he'd do a lot of little wood projects mm-hmm. and, and certainly home repairs and that kind of thing. And I really am grateful for that one piece. I, kind of before his his hardcore alcoholism set in, he taught me how to use tools, mm-hmm. power saws, pipe wrenches, you know, that kind of thing. And and then when I went to my grandfather's ranch. Um, I can still recall a very simple story that, for some reason, affected me very deeply. My grandfather was getting on in years, and so he would take a nap every afternoon. We'd go out in the morning and we'd ride and we'd check on the herd or we'd throw out hay or, or uh, check irrigation or whatever needed to be done, and then we'd come back and have lunch and he'd take a nap. And so I'm kind of kicking around, you know, I'm 17, I'm just dying right to do something, either adventure or work or something. He told me that when he was going to get up from his nap this one afternoon, we needed to go out and fix this stock tank. The valve on the stock tank was jammed, and it it wasn't bringing water to the livestock. And so while he was sleeping, I went out and did it. And I just kind of tinkered with it and figured out what was wrong and installed the new valve. But what was the remarkable thing was his reaction when he woke up and said, OK, let's go. And I said, well, we don't need to. I took care of it. He was blown away. As soon as he gets on the phone to my dad, you know, to give him the update for the week, that's the story he tells Mm -hmm. him. Answering the question, Mm -hmm. wow, son, you've got what it takes. Mm -hmm. Whoa, I am impressed with Mm -hmm. you, right? Mm -hmm. You amaze me. The way a boy gets the answer Mm -hmm. to the core question, Mm -hmm. right? right? So do you feel like that question got answered in your cowboy years? Do you feel like you're living now
3: knowing that? I have what it takes. I go back to that work thing, and that, I think that got answered in a lot of ways. I mean, John. I mean, what comes to mind for me is I used to change truck and tractor tires, and nothing gave me more satisfaction than to be sent out in a service truck and go out in the middle of a of a plowed field and jack a combine up and change the tire, and get it back and get it going again, and to driving off. To me, that was the. It's like I conquered the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was such self-satisfaction from that and that i did that i came out here i had what it took to to do all of that i mean there was just a lot of satisfaction for me in that
1: mm. you know john answering that question uh, looking back i think an outsider would observe my youth and and young manhood is kind of typically normal mm. um, but for me to answer that question i'd say at the time that question wasn't answered I don't think that question was answered for me mm. till much later in life. Right. Maybe in some small way, but not in a deep, profound way.
0: Yeah.
1: It just felt like I fit in and I was kind of normal, you know, but it wasn't until later that I realized that, the importance of that question and how it hadn't been
0: answered. Yes. Yeah.
1: Hmm. John, in my story, there was quite a bit of hard
2: work. I'm thinking of a 15-year-old. I was a landscaper and then got a job dishwashing and felt this desire to heighten the stakes and eventually started with a buddy in a car detailing business. And um, But it feels like nowadays in this season, the stakes are so much higher. I learned you can over tighten a screw and there's a certain way the wood grain goes. But even last night, I was sitting at the kitchen table after we got the kids to bed and I'm sitting at, over all these papers of different financial packages for a mortgage. And I'm thinking about refinancing the house and. And Sherry came down and I could feel the frustration. She said, how are you doing? And I said, you know, I know enough about mortgages to get me in trouble, but I don't really know exactly what yeah. the best deal is. And I'm making yeah. a 15 year, a 30 year decision. Right. And so part of me, I'm proud of the education I've given myself mm-hmm. and and yet the predominant thing the majority of me is still uncertain about that question. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, see that's the test is that however we might interpret our past, how do you feel now as a man? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking especially of the guys who are listening, but women you can look at your sons, your your boyfriends, your husbands, and you can see this need for this question to get answered. Are you afraid? You know, And where are you afraid in your life? Is it finances? Is it work? Is it talking to your 18-year-old daughter about the guy she's dating? Are you absolutely, utterly competent in every area of your life? Mm-hmm. Do you just approach everything with, hey, I got no problem with this. Mm-hmm. I love speaking in front of people. Never feel nervous about that. Love talking to my son about girls. Don't feel any problem about that. I love approaching my wife You know, and initiating difficult conversation with her. Mm-hmm. No problem about that. There is this doubt, this uncertainty that plagues every man mm-hmm. and because it's connected to this mm-hmm. in the stage of the cowboy. And I would suggest that probably the deepest wounds a man takes are in the stage of the beloved son and the stage of the cowboy where you don't know that you're loved mm-hmm. and you don't know that you have what it takes. And this is where the offer of the Christian faith absolutely astounded me mm-hmm. You know, as I was Thinking through these stages and working on the book, The Way of the Wild Heart, which we just are about to re-release as Fathered by God. As I was working through all that, I was realizing, wait a second, God offers to be our Father. Mm -hmm. God offers love and he offers validation. I mean, Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water and the Father says, I adore you and you have what it takes. Right? right, you are my beloved son; he needs to hear that, and I am so proud of you. You are the real deal, right mm. in you, I am so pleased, mm. you know, and there's the core need. so the hope of the Christian faith is that we can turn toward God as Father and begin to experience a healing and a redemption and a fathering whether we're 20, 30, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 Mm -hmm. in this. It doesn't matter what age you are. These stages still have to be healed Mm -hmm. and established and completed in our life so that we can move on Mm -hmm. in the calling that God has for us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you loved it. We love getting your feedback as well. If you're enjoying these podcasts, and would like to leave us a comment, please visit the iTunes store and do so. And by the way, all of our audio resources are now available for purchase through the iTunes store. You can find our resources and our other podcasts by searching for either Ransomed Heart or John Eldridge on the iTunes store. And to find out more about Ransomed Heart, our podcasts, our events, and all of the things that we're offering and doing, come to our website, at www.ransomedheart.com.